Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Just Fish Outdoors. I'm your host, Dale York, and I designed Just Fish Outdoors to focus on freshwater, lakes, and streams, and to provide information, tips, and techniques, along with how-to segments for catching everything from crappie to catfish. We will also provide tips on equipment, tackle, boating, and much, much more. All of this is aimed at helping you catch more fish and have fun doing it. So join us each week as we talk about my favorite subject, fishing. And that would bring us to our special segment. You know, folks, it's getting close to uh, that special time of year. You know, there's an annual event that fishermen look forward to. And uh, this annual event traditionally marks the beginning of spring season. And it draws fishermen kind of out of their winter slumber. Uh, and this is known as the uh, annual sand bass, spring sand bass run. If you can get around these fish, you can really catch a boatload of them. You know, this annual event is much anticipated and enjoyed. As water temperatures warm into the mid to high 40s, uh, these fish will start their uh, annual migration from the deep water basins of our area lakes into the shallower rivers and streams that feed these lakes. Uh, the first movement of these fish start with uh, moving to the deeper pockets of the rivers and streams in the old 40s to low 50s. Then as water temperatures increase, these fish continue moving up the tributaries and start spawning when water temperatures are in the high 50s, mid 50s, somewhere in that range. In this particular area of the state, the northeast, uh, that sand bass run is usually in full swing by late March or early April. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is, is some of our favorite spots to uh, go find these critters and exactly how we, uh, how we track them, how we find them, and, and, and what we do to catch them. One of the areas, the first area that comes to mind is uh, the Highway 412 Shoto Bend area on Grand River below, uh, below Hudson there. Uh, that stretch of river is located about, I don't know, three or four miles east of Shoto on Highway 12. That stretch of river from Shoto Bend area downstream will be the most productive early in the season, uh, while the area above the Highway 412 bridge will be the most productive when the spawn is in full swing or as these fish come out of those deeper pockets below 412 and start moving up above 412 to actually spawn. Uh, of course, uh, there's a boat launch fee paid there at the park office, uh, and uh, the level and current in the river is determined by the release of water from uh, the Hudson Lake Dam. So, uh, you know, that's not very far from Tulsa. We're only talking about 35-plus miles. The fish in that river, depending on exactly what the water temperature is, uh, the release of the water, how much water is flowing down the stream, will dictate the area uh, in that river that those fish are currently holding. Uh, like I said earlier, the, the first or the beginning stages of that migration will be uh, in holding uh, in the holding deeper pools below Highway 412 Bridge, uh, you may catch those fish uh, 20, 20 foot plus down there in those deeper pockets, uh, you know, late February, early March, even into mid-March. This kind of depends on what the water temperature is and how much water they're releasing. Then as that water temperature continues to climb, what those fish will do is they'll they'll start their migration up 
and uh, they'll go up into the 412, up above 412 Bridge, all the way into the Low Water Dam there. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's there's uh, several places that they can hang out, depending on how much water they're running and, and what the water temperature is there. Brian, what do you think about the water temperature as far as where those fish are? Don't you see what we see in the 40s, 50s, something like that? Oh, yeah, uh, water temperature... Uh, mid to upper 40s, those fish are going to be down there. They'll stage in those holes uh, down there below 412 Bridge. Like you said, those fish will be 20, 22, 24 foot. Uh, folks, those fish, when they stage up down there, they get in fair-sized schools. Uh, you get out there, you find them electronics. Depending on water flow, if they're not running a whole lot of water, pretty easy to... Uh, once you locate those fish, to stay on top of them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's that's another good point. You know, you really need to use your electronics effectively when those fish are in that deeper pockets down there. Uh, you know, your your great Lawrence HDS equipment will, will find those fish in a pretty good-sized hurry. And once you do find those fish, like Brian said, depending on how much water they're running, you can stay on them pretty easy. Uh, by just putting a GPS marker on your on your uh, on your Lawrence unit, or just looking at the bank and see approximately where you are yeah. with a tree stump, rock, or something else up on the bank. And uh, you know, if you can stay on top of those fish, you can you can catch a bunch of fish fairly easy. What I like to do in a situation like that is I like to throw a oh eighth ounce head quarter ounce head throw about an inch and a half two inch two and a half inch some kind of uh, skirt body and chartreuse or white uh, i fish it on six or four pound test line with a six six and a half foot spinning rod uh, and folks the thing you really got to be careful of is the bite is not very noticeable uh, the bite can be very very light it can be just a little tick on the end of your line and that's all you got when you're fishing that deep and the water's that cold, you know, they won't rattle your rod tip when they eat that thing. Uh, you see that too, Oh, Brian? yeah. It, it's this, the, the strike you get down there like that, in that deeper water down there, uh, folks, uh, in the closest way I can describe it, it'll be a lot like a crappie strike. Uh, those fish will, you'll have a light tick. Uh, sometimes you'll just get a sensation on your rod tip of a little bit of weight or no weight. Dale likes to fish the eighth-ounce, quarter-ounce stuff. What I normally do is I'll go down to 16th and I'll put a split shot up above it and I'll fish it on four pound line. I'll fish a little bit smaller bait. And folks, believe it or not, these fish can get size selective when that water is that cold. You know, sand bass are equated with biting anything at any time if you can get them around them, but that's not always the case. And, and we'll point out some instances here. Uh, that uh, you know, you need to need to kind of be careful of uh, maybe getting your bait too big or uh, fishing it too fast, or you know that has a lot to do with how that jig falls and what we're doing, folks. We're actually bouncing that jig up and down off bottom. We are actually putting the jig on the bottom of the lake or on the river and, and hopping that thing up about a foot or two, and then of course they're hitting it on the fall when it falls back. So you have to really pay attention to what's going on. You need good rod, you need good line, and uh, you know don't let that thing fall on a slack line or you'll never feel that fish hit it. How much water they're running also plays a big important role in this. The more water they're running, the more those fish will belly out of the middle of the river and start getting closer to the bank. 
uh, looking for the little eddy pockets behind brush piles, behind rocks, uh, behind wing dams, anything that will afford them a little bit of cushion out of that current, they'll do that as as they run more water out of Hudson and that current gets swifter. So, uh, you know, pay attention to to where those fish that you're catching are lo- located and that are holding. And, uh, you know, the water speed or how much water they're running down that river can change at uh, any time. So, you know, sometimes you have varying conditions to which you're trying to catch these fish, and these fish will will pinpoint themselves in relationship to those conditions. So you may be catching fish like crazy, and all of a sudden you don't get a bite, and you'll look around, and they may be running more water or the current may be slower, and the fish are still there. They just move somewhere, so you got to go find them again. They didn't go very far. They they just moved somewhere fairly close. So pay attention to how fast the current is, uh, You know how deep you're catching the fish, and uh, I guarantee you, like I said, you know those fish will ball up in those twenty foot plus pockets down there. And if you can get on top of them, stay on top of them. You can start catching them early in the year and just follow them right on up the river. You can catch fish down there for a solid month uh, if you'll get down there and start early enough and just follow them up the river. Uh, the The other thing that we'll talk about, the other place we'll talk about is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Horseshoe Bend. Uh, now, that's on the upper end of Tinkiller. That's where the lower, the upper Illinois dumps into Tinkiller Lake. And, uh, you know, a couple of things you need to be aware of there is uh, you need to call and, and make sure you know how much water is coming down the Illinois River. If they've had a huge rain or something like that, uh, you know, it can easily flood that access down there. It's called Horseshoe Bend. So you, you you need to know what's going on there. The other thing you need to be aware of is that boat ramp. Uh, be a little cautious when you're launching your boat on that public access ramp there. It can be a little treacherous. It's it's a little narrow for some of these big, fat <laughs> rangers we're pulling around yeah. these days, so you you got to be careful. You definitely don't want to run that thing off the side of the boat ramp. Then you got a major hiccup then. Another thing to think about here, and this is very common anywhere you find sand bass or you're looking for sand bass or you're catching sand bass in fairly clear water. The the upper end of the Illinois River can get pretty clear that early in the year. I guarantee you, folks, one of the things that be, can, can be critical down there, especially if you're fishing that first uh, half a mile above the boat ramp, quarter to half a mile, is jig color. Uh, folks, <laughs> you you may not believe this, but uh, I guarantee you my brother and I have fished that river for many, many, many years on sand bass. When you get a lot of boat traffic on very, very clear water, the, the fish catching can go down in a hurry. So one of the tricks we use, uh, once again, is we'll downsize our baits. We'll we'll actually throw a, a you know an inch and a half, uh, inch and three quarter long tube jig, and we'll throw it on a sixteenth ounce head, and we're doing the same thing, four pound line, and we're bouncing that thing off the bottom of the creek channel down there. What we're throwing is very specific. We're actually throwing a tube body that is clear. The plastic on it is clear, but it has silver metal flake in it. And uh, those aren't easy to find all the time, but I guarantee you, folks, that color right there 
will make the difference when you get into a high sunlight condition, a lot of boats on the river, and that thing will catch fish when maybe nobody else is catching fish. That is the deadliest color when you start fishing that clear water, don't you think, Brian? Oh, definitely. It resembles so many things, and then again, it doesn't. It's 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 a non-intrusive bait. Uh, a lot of your bait colors that are out there, like your chartreuses and reds and oranges and bright pearl whites and stuff like that, you get a lot of boat traffic. You get real clear water. Those a lot of times, those brighter colors, those fish will actually shy away from them. Uh, you put something down there that they really can't make out, that they have to get up on to see, and it doesn't offend them in any way. And uh, you work it slow, work it methodical, and they will suck it up. Yeah, you know, there's been days down there, folks, that we, we've done field testing for some of this stuff. And, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't think sand bass would be that picky, but I guarantee you there's days down there when we'll throw 6, 8, 10, 12 colors at an area that we know fish are there, and we may catch uh, 5 or 10% of the fish that we're catching on that clear body on any other color we're throwing. Folks, I guarantee you it will make a difference when you get into that heavy boat traffic. Another thing and another place that it will make a big difference, you know, we talked about uh, uh, the uh, Grand River down there at uh, Shodo, down there at Highway 412. Uh, There's a creek that runs into that thing that is extremely clear once again, and, uh, you know, it's called Spring Creek. That is the same situation. When you get up in that creek or the sand bass run up in that creek and you get up there after them, many, many times you you can put on that clear metal flake and you'll catch fish when nobody else is catching fish. I mean, nobody's getting a bite, but you will catch fish on that clear metal flake once again, same thing. We fish that thing on the bottom, folks, and that's one of the keys. We don't throw it out there and reel it back. We throw it out there, let it hit the bottom. We lift our rod tip about a foot, foot and a half, and hold it there and let that jig fall back to the bottom. And that's 99% of your bites. That's when it's going to occur is when that jig is falling back to the bottom. I, I guarantee you, there's there's going to be times, folks, when you're fishing that real clear water. If you got them, you're catching fish. If you don't have them, uh, you're a spectator. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, and we've seen this so many times in other places that we're, we're catching other species of fish. Uh, that clear metal flake, silver metal flake body uh, will produce fish when nothing else that you're throwing will produce fish. And it's as much as the technique as it is the color. It's a 50-50 deal. You throw that clear metal flake out there, let it sink three or four foot and start winding it in, you're not going to catch near the fish that you're going to catch bouncing that thing off bottom. Uh, and it works the same way uh, like we talked about earlier up at Shoto uh, at, the, at Grand River. You know, 99% of the fish we catch out of that river when we're up there sand bass fishing is uh is bouncing that thing off bottom uh you know that's the technique we're using you know every year we have people troll a motor over to my boat and you know basically ask us how in the world are we catching all these fish and it's no big secret it's you know it's the technique in in grand river the color is not as important as the technique you can catch them on a lot of different colors because the, the water is is has much more stain or uh, much more color to it. 
But when you get into those real, real clear water situations, like I talked about at Horseshoe Bend or down there at Spring Creek, you really ought to look at uh, having some of these in your tackle box because many times it can be the difference between you going home with a mess of fish for dinner and and you stopping by uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken on the way home. Yeah, yeah <laughs> wind, up, wind up, wind up, wind up paying twice for a fishing trip. <laughs> exactly, wind up stopping at McDonald's on the way yeah. home because you don't have anything to live well. Uh, so so pay attention to these things, and you know even if you see us, we'll be down there this spring. I guarantee you, we'll we'll be down there chasing them for a few times, probably on Horseshoe Bend and on grand river and and if you see us uh you know feel free to come by and and, and talk to us uh we'll share any information we have with you and, and what's going on what's happening around the area and uh you know uh i i can almost bet you that we'll be catching some fish down in there as well uh we, we've got a few years experience doing this so don't hesitate to uh you know downsize your bait somewhat sometimes because folks when when all that boat traffic gets on the river it'll put those fish down you've seen the boat traffic for those of us who have experienced this phenomena of uh, the early spring uh, sand bass fishing both in uh, horseshoe bend and in grand river uh you know the amount of boat traffic is just awesome I mean, it looks like, uh, you know, a Florida boat show down there yeah, <laughs> all it, day it's, long. It's, it's pretty bad. <clears throat> you, you can almost walk from one side to the other on, yeah. on fiberglass, you know. And when that happens, those fish are still there, and they will still bite, but their heads are down. They're down on the bottom, hugging that bottom. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're not up mid-column. They're not no. up high. Now, what will happen is as they run more and more water or as the current gets stronger, like I said, those fish will belly out of the middle part of that river, and they'll start getting closer to the banks. So, uh, you know, you may have to alter your specific location where you're casting to, but I, I guarantee you, man, you, you, you can still catch those fish. They're still there. They've just moved a little bit, and that's, that's all there is to it. Yeah, pre- presentation and everything is still the same. You're still keeping that bait right there on the bottom of the river or bottom of the creek. But those fish, like he said, they'll move out of the center, get away from the current, They'll move toward the banks, get in eddy pockets, get behind boulders, lay downs, whatever. Uh, you run across a situation like this, you need, you know, you need to f- take a little time, you know, and fish it pretty thoroughly because, as a general rule, you know, if those fish are in the river, when you have eddy pockets like that, there's going to be at least a few fish in there. That's something to keep in the back of your mind is that current gets stronger in the in the river. Regardless of what body of water you're fishing, if that current gets stronger, it just moves those fish closer to the bank. They're looking for those eddy pockets or places they can get out of that current and rest and still feed. So, uh, you know, like I said, you know, when you're fishing in these rivers, especially on our hydroelectric situations where the water can change dramatically, you need to, uh, you know, kind of be aware of that. And not only as a safety precaution, but also what the fish do, how they react to those changing conditions. And, and they can change in just a matter of minutes. So, uh, uh, you know, if, if you need any additional information, if you want some more information, feel free to drop me an email. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to help you any way we can. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're all about helping anybody that wants to learn how to do this. So, uh, you know, try some of those techniques next time you're out, and uh, you'll catch some. Uh, folks, I want to remind you, you go down to Grand River this spring, sand bass fishing, uh, especially uh, later on in the spring uh, during the month of April. I want to remind you that uh, 
you will undoubtedly probably catch a few crappie when you're down there sand bass fishing. And I want to remind you that that is still 10-inch length water. Yeah. The yeah. river is 10-inch length water. So keep those crappie if they're over 10 inches, but, you know, make sure how long they are before you stick them in the live well. Because, <laughs> you know, you don't need to have that kind of day, if you know what I mean. No, no. You don't need a financial reminder that that fish no. is too short. Brian, thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, and I hope we've helped some folks get ready for a great spring sand bass run. Uh, folks, send an email. Tell us how you like the show or how we can improve on it. Or if you have a suggestion on a topic, let us know, and we'll try to put a show together that will help you out. If you would like to know more about Just Fish Outdoors or anything we can help with, just drop us a line, justfishoutdoors at justfish.com. Folks, get out and enjoy one of the many lakes or streams we're blessed to have. Thanks for listening, and be sure to catch us next week at the same time. This is Dale York, host of Just Fish Outdoors, saying we'll catch you later. <laughs> <laughs>